Hi, everyone. This is Food Institute CEO Brian Choi. Welcome to the Food Institute podcast. This week, we're talking with Plantera CEO Darcy Mackin, and we're going to talk about how Plantera is tackling the plant-based industry and also what it's like being a plant-based company under the umbrella of the world's largest meat producer. It's definitely a fascinating discussion. But before we dive in, please subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and our website, foodinstitute.com. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn. With that said, I welcome Darcy to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? Great. And thanks for spending time with the Food Institute. Thank you for asking me. Excellent. So Darcy, let's start the conversation off with your background. Uh, You've had a very interesting career path from rising up through the ranks of big CPG to managing a premium yogurt brand and now heading up Plantera, the plant-based division of JBS. Can you share with our audience a little more about your background and what ultimately led you to come to Plantera? Absolutely. And thanks again for this very important platform for our industry. It's really fantastic. Um, so yeah, looking at my my background, although I've been in food for almost 20 years, I really don't have the traditional path um, that people usually follow within food. I didn't start my career in food, but I began more in the startup world and in industry. Um, anywhere from you know different industries, I was working on Wall Street in the beginning in various startups, um, then moving back to the Atlanta area where I went to college and uh, found myself selling trash cans to Walmart. Uh, for Newell Rubbermaid. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, very, uh, quite a diverse path. Um, but really where I found myself at Newell Rubbermaid was really my first, call it consumer packaged goods company. And then, of course, selling into Walmart and flying into Bentonville each week and eventually moving there, I really found the importance of understanding brands, sales, of course, CPG, what they're about, and the, uh, the importance of products and culture. So while spending that time in Bentonville, I eventually found my way to Kellogg's, which was my first food company. Um, there I spent a couple time or a couple years in, in Bentonville and then eventually was leading the entire portfolio of Kellogg's for Walmart. Then did the same thing with Target, went to Minneapolis and learned that business up there. And then eventually into the headquarters in Battle Creek, uh, where I spent several years and found myself as the uh, head of global sales for Kellogg's, which was a total of 10 years. And at that point in time, I realized, well, one, I was very fortunate to have such a strong career path due to mentors, a lot of strong leadership and learning along the way. Then I got an interesting phone call from a friend who, of course, I wasn't looking. That's how these things work. (laughs) (laughs) And said, I found this interesting opportunity in this small brand called Noosa. You should give it a look. And of course, I went, I wasn't really familiar with it, but I went, of course, familiar with yogurt being in the breakfast space and tried the food and just fell in love. And it was just such a good reminder of what uh, good food, a beautiful story with the co-founders. And really, they just sold into private equity. So it wasn't necessarily a startup, had a really strong base, about 40 million. But with private equity buying into it, they wanted to bring some seasoned, call it uh, CPG leaders in to really transform the business and sell it in three to five years and grow it quickly. Mm. Now, this really caught my attention. I thought either I'm going to stay here for 10 more years, most likely, or do the high risk, high reward. And at that point in time, it was the right thing for my family. So we moved to Colorado and took on the challenge of growing Noosa to sell in three to five years. And that's exactly what we did. We sold it in three years. We grew it to about $200 million from $40 million wow. in three years, which was so much fun. Um, and I was so lucky to be chosen um, with a bunch of other phenomenal leaders as well as was still working with the co-founders. 
And that really caught my attention again of getting back into that startup entrepreneurial spirit. And, and then I stayed on with, um, as Sovo Spot knew, so I stayed on for one more year and got the same you know, phone call from a friend that wasn't looking. <laughs> and it really piqued my interest that a company like JBS was looking at starting and getting into plant-based, but this was a true startup from scratch. I thought, okay, well, this is something I haven't done before, but absolutely passionate about, love the space, very familiar with plant-based, being with Kellogg's for 10 years, um, and really found that there was just so much upside and potential in plant-based and really intrigued with how JBS was positioning this um, as a true startup. Mm-hmm. So that's really what, how you know, you know things brought me to where I am now. And that was October of 2019. So it's been about two and a half years. Wow. I think we need to do another podcast on how to how to grow a startup into a two hundred million dollar business. But uh, we'll go on to our next question. Um, I think one of the most interesting aspects of Plantaria is the company's positioning within JPS. You know, what is it like being a plant based brand under the umbrella of the world's largest meat producer? I love this question. Uh, it's not it's not usual, but what is we have a very strong common denominator, and we believe both Plantera Foods and JBS that consumers should have an exceptional variety when it comes to protein at the table. So we have a very strong common denominator, and together we will make that happen through innovation. And of course, as Plantera was founded, our first brand, consumer facing brand, is Ozo. Mm-hmm. So with more distribution of Ozo, and we expand the plant based protein space. And we both believe in these nutritional benefits of both. So what's really what it's more about is how it's structured within JBS, right? So we have the same, we have the same mission, we have the same values, um, but, and it's really about the, the structure in which we're autonomous, mm. right? JBS had the wherewithal to know that the future of protein is going to look, come in a lot of different ways. And it's not through just animals. If you just follow the math, Right, the demand in protein, the increase of the population, it can't just come sustainably from animals. It has to come through different proteins. So getting into plant-based and other sources of proteins wasn't a question of if they should. It's more of how they should. Mm-hmm. And how they should, they had the self-awareness and wherewithal to understand that, one, we're not branding uh, people. We're not branded. We're not a CPG company. And we know we want this to be separate because of a different talent pool, a different focus and different mindset of just this fast moving, fast paced environment of the plant based world. And this was two years ago. So they knew it was going to be a standalone and be just basically funded by JBS, but knowing that they could uh, reach into the power, into the shared services, into the procurement and logistics, you name it, to really help the back end move. Um, but creating a very different, I would say, focus and mindset um, being, call it a startup, uh, plant-based protein company. So although we do have, you know, a very common focus, we are set up very differently um, from within. But, you know, again, JBS's mission is to be the best. And that comes from a lot of different definitions that we need the best for customers, for the consumer, for suppliers right. and vendors. And we have the same mission to be the best, just plant-based um, together, but all serving the world of protein. Great. No, that's that's fascinating. You know, one of one of the things I, I think is very unique is is that because Plantera is, is housed within JBS, the focused on taste and texture probably is much more of an emphasis at Plantera than it is at standalone 
uh, you know, plant-based companies. So um, do you find that at all at, at times you're, you're kind of competing with, you know, the animal meat products within JPS or, you know, what's the dynamic like there? Yeah, it's interesting because when I first visited, you know, my very first time up there, I thought, well, this is going to be interesting because I've been a part of big CPG companies that all say they want to create either buy startups or have a startup and leave it alone and let it operate autonomously, but they just can't help themselves, right? They just have to, you know, get their hands on it, understand more, maybe find some synergies. And uh, so this was really important to me to make sure that it, it, it was separate, um, but although with the strong support. And it, I can't emphasize how true this has become because what I realized the difference was is JBS is a commodity company. And I've personally never worked with commodities before. And it is a very different mindset as well, mm -hmm. right? That automatically you tend to be more future focused, you become more external looking, right? The competition is just that much more important. And I, you realize, you know, quickly with these big CPGs, sometimes you become so, um, you look historical a lot, right? You always, you're looking almost into the rearview mirror too much and you become more internally focused mm -hmm. and less so much on the competition. So just in nature, they're extremely competitive people, JBSs. And, so, and I am too. I play, you know, volleyball in college, so I find myself to be competitive, but I honestly, I'm not even close to these people. They are competitive and they want to win and do the right thing for the people and for the consumer and for their uh, entire employee base. They're just not really good at talking about it, honestly, and branding and, right. and exposing that end of it, right? So, so when it comes to the competition piece, it was truly about, okay, clearly other, you know, co true competitors are coming into our space, right? When it's not just plant-based, it's actual other companies. And mm -hmm. so if people are encroaching on our space in meat and fresh is really when obviously it caught everybody's attention. If somebody's going to win in this space, it should be a JBS company. Right. And that's really where the strong support comes. It's not necessarily about pe uh, people not eating meat. It's about, you know, getting the, again, this right portfolio in line for, to satisfy um, additional protein sources, but to make sure that it's done the right way. It's done in the same family as JBS. And they see that truly is a win. Mm -hmm. I will also say that we're set up differently because we don't share a sales force, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a very different talent pool too, right? You're going in with shopper insights, with consumer insights, you're telling a brand story and commodities don't do that, right? It's much right. more about pricing and timing and logistics. And it's a very different conversation. So that's another reason why we wanted to be different because you have to, you know, grab, had tell a really good story in order to convince people to put things on shelf that turn at a fraction of what mm -hmm. meat will turn. It's about incrementality and it's about rounding out the basket and adding more dollars into that basket and that portfolio for them doing the right thing for the shopper. Yeah, very interesting. And you touched upon this a little bit, uh, but compared to other plant-based products, where is Plantera's product positioning relative to the, to the deluge of plant-based companies out there. It seems like every week a new plant-based product or company is is coming on the market. So, you know, help us understand a little bit about Plantera's positioning. Yeah, there, there's so many. It's, people don't, I don't think realize, like, just like you said, how many brands there are. And if you look at just the past three years, I can't imagine as a consumer not in the food space, how confusing it's been. Because when you look at all things plant-based, well, one, it's in so many categories. So two, mm -hmm. if you're just talking about meat alternatives, 
it's the source of protein, it's how it's made. You know, so we initially, I thought, here's some a white space gap when it came to more flavor, uh, ingredients, and about taste. And to do that, it had to be simple. Ingredients had to be people could understand it. You could make it in your kitchen. They understand that it's not processed. But at the same time, we wanted to make sure that people could understand the label. So in looking at the category just three years ago, we found that there was a gap in speaking about ingredients, actually about fun, about flavor, about a personality, and bringing much, actually much more of a CPG type of look and feel to very simple and clean food and mm-hmm. the best quality of ingredients. We knew that we were going to go out of the gates fast. We knew we were a Me Too product. So our first four products were all very similar to what was out there, but we wanted to be unique in the flavor forward, more nutritious, but people in this category already feel like they're choosing nutritious, more nutritious food, excuse me. But it's so obviously checking the box um, clearly for whatever the motivation, if it is health, if it's sustainability, we meet all of these needs, but really standing out for flavor, for taste and about the five senses. So the aroma when you're cooking it in the house and making sure for this texture and the sensorial that you would expect in making this part of your repertoire in the every single week as you're looking at meal planning. So we wanted to be about creating a genuine brand that people could understand the ingredients, taste, and never sacrificing on quality. Great. And this is a perfect segue into the next question where uh, Plantar talks about the True Bite experience. And so can you describe what it is in a little bit more detail and how it's used in the company's product innovation? Absolutely. True Bite is something that we've created that really brings together everything you know and love and expect with your traditional protein for that complete savory experience, but made from plants. Mm. So True Bite is our promise to delight your senses through the look, the smell, the taste, texture, and things that you know and love with these traditional foods all made from plants in a very a highly culinary experience, signature recipes, and its uh, unique plant-based capabilities. So it's truly multisensorial from the first sight to last bite, is what we like to say. That's great. I love that. Plantera has recently announced some new product offerings, which I believe are going to be showcased at Expo West. What can you share about these products and what makes them unique? And as a follow-up, are they meant to be standalone products within a meal setting, or are they meant to be used as an ingredient as part of an overall food product? Please share your thoughts. Absolutely. So we have we've launched chicken. We have four items that we've launched already in January of this year, and we're launching bacon here in a few months. So it's all about chicken and bacon for us. So, and what makes people, everyone's talking about chicken and bacon, <laughs> right? So this is not like a huge unveil. However, I will say that we've took a lot of time, actually since conception in 2019, we knew we wanted to double down on innovation and R&D. And the future we found was in this different type of extrusion. And it's not just about the type of manufacturing, it is about how you do it. So think about, you know, artisan, think about craft beer, right? It can be Mm -hmm. unique based on the processing, the ingredients, how you do it, hold time, marination, and flavors. So... We spent a lot of time crafting these four specific chicken items. They are unbreaded, so that is unique, although you you do see these out today. Um, But they are in the fresh aisle, so you can find them in frozen as well. But mainly, 
if you think about a center cutlet that you need a knife and fork, so an actual chicken cutlet in two different flavors, an herb as well as um, salt and pepper. And then we have some shreds. So the same type of technology, which is a fibrous, um, more, I would say, succulent, juicy type of full muscle texture from that you would expect from chicken. Um, so that coming in a whole muscle cutlet, as well mm. as in shreds in two flavors, one with barbecue sauce and then one rotisserie. And the beauty of this is really just getting into different fun flavors, different forms, again, different ways that you can use it, not just in the sandwich or on the go, but finding convenience in this as well. So how do we pre-flavor this sometimes where you, people we know they love cooking from home now. So taking the mystery out of cooking some plant-based food and adding in that flavor to really then go, all right, you're already one step closer. Just warm this up and can be ready in a skillet in eight to 10 minutes and the entire family will love it. I can say this because I have picky kids. So I test these <laughs> things all the time with them. Perfect. So those are the four chicken products we have coming. And then we have bacon, of course, coming. Wow, that's great. Um, super excited to, to test out the products uh, myself when I'm there at Expo West. Um, and so um, my last question is related to um, to a topic related to kind of frozen and f fresh plant-based categories. How does Plantera approach each of these sales channels? And overall, like long-term, what is the company's strategy in penetrating these two um, very different segments of the of the food, um, the food market? Yeah, great. We clearly need to win in fresh and winning in fresh means that, you know, again, providing these new solutions that are currently not in the marketplace that are in the fresh aisle, taking advantage of that traffic, taking advantage of the meat eater, because we are talking to the flexitarian. We're not asking to be people to be vegan or vegetarian overnight, but we know that for a great substitute, we should be the, that pick. So taking advantage of fresh will always be our focus. During COVID, during the slowdown, we I loved seeing frozen sales finally uh, take off. I mean, it's been years since you've seen an increase in frozen in the frozen aisle, and I think that's fantastic because there's uh, so many good options there. So we did create a frozen line as well, and the difference between the two is a fully cooked, so that final cook step. So you can keep it in the freezer. You can pull that out again for that convenience. It's fully cooked. It's a warm and eat, a heat and eat situation and not necessarily part of your meal making, or it could be either way. There are two different options for you as well as different food forms from anywhere from a smokehouse burger to a meatball and then going into fresh, you know, we have our sausage as well. So thinking through the two different portfolios, of course, there's some cross shopping into fresh and frozen, but really not as much as you would think. So taking advantage of both aisles, um, you know, the complete real estate. And again, you know, finding there's such a low household penetration in plant-based right now versus the awareness. So we truly believe that it is about innovation. It's about the offerings and finding these solutions where the consumers want to be met and what's right for them and for their families. So we will continue to innovate for both fresh and frozen and right, continue great. to talk to both buyers. Um, how that feeds into our long-term strategy really is that, you know, the message is this is a, a marathon. It's not a sprint and we're here for the long haul. You know, we, we truly believe that, you know, we've invested in R and D center. We've built a plant here in Denver locally. So everything we have is local in Colorado. And, you know, we believe that as we continue to pivot and innovate quickly with the consumer at the forefront, we will always be able to find these new ways to bring new food to the table 
the end of the day, it's an honor to be invited to the table, right, to anyone that eats. And so we will continue to make sure that we're listening and learning along the way and finding these new solutions uh, for the consumer. Right. One related question is, how, how are you thinking about food service mm. um, relative to, to retail? Yeah, it's, it's because people are, we know pe- more people are trying it in food service than actually in their home and in retail. Right. So you have to get this experience. And if we stand for taste and texture and experience, then people have to try it somehow. So getting this outlet for us is critical. Um, in these days, it's tr- it's hard to break through. It's, you know, timing wise, whether it's it's a QSR or it's a retail or, you know, and finding different outlets. Um, we are trying anything and everything as well as uh, creating unique SKUs for certain customers. Uh, they are doing our best to be that go-to partner. You know, again, leaning on JBS and, and how we can from a supplier standpoint and our capacity. We are building for a very, very big future. It's just really getting that timing correct. We have the resources for it, um, but we know that is so critical into getting this adoption into into our food and all things plant-based. Yeah, excellent. I can imagine that having the JBS brand definitely gives gives you a significant advantage um, over some of the competitors. So um, very, very interesting. So, uh, so that brings us to the, to the close of today's podcast. I did want to give Darcy an opportunity to share about Expo West, about the booth number and some of the exciting things that will be happening at the show. So Darcy, uh, please share with our audience how they can connect at Expo West and what they can expect. Yes, please. Everyone, we will have Ozo booth number N2115. Uh, We will be sampling these chicken products that I just mentioned. We will also be sampling bacon, which is unique, one of a kind. The first bacon that you'll find in the fresh aisle. Some bacon that you can cook with, you can wrap, make jalapeno poppers out of. I'm truly going to think that, and I would love to get your feedback. want to hear more um, and and how you feel about the flavors and the texture. But we believe in it. And we're also going to have a celebrity chef, Aaron May, Join us on Thursday, March 10th, and we're going to do a cook-off. So think about like a chopped situation where you can make the best challenge food and Aaron's going to judge it live. It's, we're all going to, it's going to film. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have truly a ton of fun with our food and learn so much more about our brand and, and what else we can do. Okay, so that just about does it for this week on the Food Institute Podcast. Thanks again to our guest, Darcy Mackin. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe. This is Brian Choi signing off. Thank you.